You chew your food completely before swallowing. You just put the fork down anytime you feel like you are not in your body during your eating experience. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. I hope that Radically Loved Radio leaves you feeling inspired to create something powerful. My teacher, Yoga Rupa Rajstriker, says, if you powerfully believe in the value you have to offer the world, your love and passion for it will be an unstoppable force. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic, the coffee that gets you fired up. Aside from supporting energy, stamina, and athletic performance, cordyceps have been studied for their strong antioxidant properties. I have been so obsessed with this coffee for the last year. I've been drinking it and I've been traveling with it. And in case coffee doesn't pump you up enough, how about coffee paired with one of the most energy supporting mushrooms on the planet, cordyceps. So coffee is so energizing because it stimulates the central nervous system and the adrenal glands. But combining this with a more balanced cellular energy to support uh, our immune system and our health function, this mushroom can result in a balanced stimulation while using only half of the amount of caffeine normally found in a coffee, which is awesome. <laughs> they also have an incredible matcha mix that is my absolutely new favorite, and they want to give our listeners a gift. So for those of you who are curious and want to try the mushroom coffee that doesn't taste like mushrooms, go to foursigmatic.com forward slash radically loved. So that's foursigmatic.com forward slash R-A-D-I-C-A-L-L-Y-L-O-V-E-D for 15% off of all of their products. Thanks for listening. a little bit about your your health journey if you would i know that this is something you're obviously really passionate about and you've built a whole business and a career around it so can you tell me and the audience a little bit about how you got started yeah so i i never intended for this to be my career just so everybody knows like i there was no plan this was not part of a vision or anything like that i just was always obsessed with food so that was always there i loved eating it my dad um, loved going to fancy restaurants. So we would travel and, and they would bring me like a four-year-old to these five-star ridiculous, like Jean George in New York city that no <laughs> children were at. And I sat there with my napkin folded in my lap. And I remember when my grandpa was in town once and I picked up a slice of pizza, she's like, aren't you going to use a fork and knife? <laughs> I was like, no mom. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so I always love food and, and 
but that didn't start the career. That was just kind of always the through line. Personally, for my, my, my journey, my story, I always had struggled with my weight. So at 13 years old, my tush, you know, decided to make an appearance and <laughs> I, it was like, hello, it was the bat mitzvah days. You know, I had a big tight little poofy sleeve dress on that I designed that I was very proud of. It had a removable skirt, just like I had like a long gown dress and then you took that off and there was a mini dress underneath. Uh, I'm so proud of that. But I, I, these were the bat mitzvah days and everyone was started to look at each other's bodies and we all started to get opinions about what was okay and what we were supposed to look like and what we weren't supposed to look like. And at the time, the only really images I had were in the magazines and on television. And the only images I got were that thin, this is one body type and this is what you're supposed to look mm -hmm. like, or this is what is considered pretty or the ideal. Yeah. And no one was having a conversation with me about it any any way other than that. And the girls at school were all dieting. So I got on the, the bandwagon with that and just always struggled. And I, I think the start of the issue was the fact that I thought there was one, I thought there was something wrong with me that needed mm -hmm. fixing. And number two was actually just starting that diet roller coaster, which messes with your body, your hormones. Imagine as a changing girl into a woman, if you will, you know, all of that's happening in your body and you're trying to simultaneously not really starve myself. I never got that far, but like eat as few calories as I could. And then, mm. you know, go crazy with the cookies at the girlfriend's sleepovers. Like all the stuff that I was doing in my body was not, not setting a very healthy course for my metabolism, for my hormones, for, for my body to really trust me. And that followed all through high school and college and in my twenties. And I was trying to use the old term, make it as an actress in Los Angeles. And <laughs> I was really lonely. I'd moved to LA. I had some friends, but they worked in television on the production side of things. So mm -hmm. they, you know, they were there until 10 o'clock at night, if anybody knows that world, especially starting out. And I was alone in some creepy, weird apartment in West Hollywood. <laughs> and I was eating my loneliness. I was yeah. choosing instead of feeling it or knowing what to do with it. I was eating through it and my body reflected that my physical weight reflected that, but more importantly than my physical weight, right? That's a number that can, you know, somebody's perfect physical weight could be who knows, right? The number is such a silly thing that we're now discrediting and I'm so happy mm -hmm. about it. I'm part of that movement, but really what was weighing me down more than the physical weight that I gained was the emotional weight mm -hmm. I was carrying. Yeah. It was being unfulfilled in my life, searching for purpose, not having real connections that fed me. And so I was looking all for all of that in food. And eventually, so I was working a little bit here and there as an actress and I, my day job was in documentary film festivals and doing some fundraising for nonprofits. And I was G chatting with a girlfriend one day and I was telling her about the sandwich that I made for my then boyfriend, now husband, now father of my child. Funny how, how far we've come <laughs> about the sandwich that I made for him from the farmer's markets in LA. Mm -hmm. And if anybody's been to the farmer's markets there, you know, like it really is an experience. I know yeah. people talk about them in France or in New York city, but there's something about seen Meyer lemons and avocados and the eucalyptus branches and all of that together that just does something to your soul. And I started to get away from that diet brain and more into that frame of mind of what looks so beautiful to me that I want to make tonight and started cooking and really getting more, more back to that passion around food. And my mom had always been an incredible cook. And so my friend suggested that I check out the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Mm -hmm. I got the brochure. I enrolled a week later. I had no money at the time, nothing. I had credit card, drowning in credit card debt. 
and I figured out how to pay the tuition. At that time, the course was a live in-person program in New York City. Mm-hmm. I told my boyfriend of like two months, we were moving back to New York and that was it. And that was nine plus years ago. And through that process, it's not like I went to nutrition school and I healed all of this, right? That yeah. whole diet story of, or something's wrong with you and you need to fix it. Like that magically went away when I learned about kale. It didn't. <laughs> Healthy became a new diet for me. Yeah. And again, my physical weight re- reflected that, but also the emotional weight was just shifting. It wasn't what it was when I was lonely in Los Angeles, but it was also now I'm supposed to be a business owner. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not good enough. Everyone knows more than I do. I just sort of shifted the conversation into the entrepreneurial world. Yeah. And so I went through that and just kept doing the next right thing in front of me and somehow just kept going. I've always been really good at faking confidence. <laughs> Even if I, <laughs> I'm not feeling it in my soul, I just am like, whatever, put the jeans on and just get out of it, get out there. Yeah. And so I sort of faked it till I made it a little bit, or at least was able to support myself and just keep going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And really through my coaching practice and helping thousands of women and men around the world, I I feel like each step in my journey has been another step up the ladder of me continuing to expand who I am in this world, what my purpose is, what I'm here for, none of which I have the answer to in any way, shape or form. But I see it more as like, okay, this was another step. This was another piece. This was another piece. I don't know what's at the top of the ladder. But I know that I feel like I'm elevating my soul with each each new bit of information I learn, each new practice that I incorporate into my daily routine, each new thing that feels like it lights me up. And so a big, big part of this too was absolutely having my daughter. I I gave birth to my little girl two years ago and Mm. going through that experience was incredibly humbling and going through childbirth unmedicated was... Oh my goodness. You'll have to talk to us about that. I'm curious. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty wild. And, you know, and I'm not saying that you know, you need to have a baby (laughs) to have this experience, but also just honoring wherever you're at right now and honoring, like, there's more steps ahead of you. There's been steps behind you and it's all good. It's all part of your soul's journey of your work of why you're here and your story. And I just keep checking in with myself through the practices that I teach in my new book, Thin From Within, and Mm -hmm. how you can check in with yourself to say, you know, what do I need today? What feels good? And I feel like I've just fine tune that and spent all this time just coming back into me, my body, what it needs. It's like beautifulness in this world at any given moment. And my work really is, I have my work in my coaching practice and my work as a mom, a friend, whatever, but my work is with myself first and how I continue to have that conversation of what I need and shape my life from that place. I, I also did IIN uh, just a few years after you did, I think, that it, from what it sounds like, they, they changed the format to, um, to online. So that's great. But one of the big things that resonated with me with, you know, obviously everything that you write about in your book resonated because I, I agree with your approach to nutrition and to holistic health. But for for the people listening to this, can you tell us a little bit about why this looking at our health as a holistic way, as opposed to just food, why it matters so much. It's funny because 
I tried so hard in the beginning of my practice to teach the what, right? Uh-huh. Kind of like what I learned at school, like, oh, this is the diet. This is the thing. And what's great about IIN is that they do teach you that there isn't just one diet, right? There's all these different ones. But I was sort of parading the flag of, well, this is working for me right now. So this is the thing. And this uh-huh. is going to be the thing. And then I slowly over time realized in my practice, especially because I was working with so many women with digestive issues, that it was so much more valuable for me to talk about the how we eat instead of the what. Mm. And yes, I definitely give some guidelines around the what. None of it's groundbreaking. Fat, (laughs) healthy fat, protein, (laughs) greens, vegetables. Yes, I definitely talk a little bit more about fermented foods than most. But the, the, the food is pretty straightforward and basic. But where I realize I can make the most impact was around the how and that that would apply whether you're a busy high level lawyer with kids and a family in New York and you work 55 hours a week and are managing it all or you're living in Venice in a Cali life that definitely feels more chill and you get to go to your yoga and move at a slower pace and the how that no matter what was going on with your body whether it was digestive issues or um uh, chronic inflammation, it like whatever it was that, mm-hmm. that, that could help. And knowing that I had a tool that could help you no matter what you had going on was incredibly powerful for me mm. to teach. Mm. Why do you think that we lose sight of that? Do you think it's like a societal thing or we put so much focus on the external that we completely become desensitized to our own intuition or our own just sense of being able to discern what's good and what's bad? Well, first off, there's no money in the how, Mm. just being honest there. It's Mm -hmm. not a product. There's not going to be a corporation. There's not going to be a budget behind it. There isn't an advertising firm behind teaching people to slow down, connect to their intuition and chew more. It's not (laughs) sexy. It's not interesting. (laughs) I've had to like, quell every desire in me to go on a talk show when I've had an opportunity or a TV show and just literally, I'm like, can I just chew on camera? Can I just, can I just have a carrot and just sit there and just eating and show people how long it should take to eat your food? Can yeah. I just do that? They're like, we would all fall asleep. I'm like, I get it. It's fine. I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, so there isn't an advertising, the same way that there isn't really much of an advertising budget behind a cucumber. Mm-hmm. There isn't really one around slowing down and mindful eating. And so it's not in our face as much. It's not as part as much of a part of our vernacular and our conversation. And it's just not popular. It's not trendy. It's just not what we're taught. It's not what our parents really were experiencing, right? They were, you know, hurry up and finish your dinner, or finish everything on your plate, elbows off the table, maybe some version of that. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't again a real conversation around this and so now in these generations we're in this we're in this new age and social media and everything it's it's now we I feel like we get to have this have this conversation and have it from the ground up and so it's okay that this isn't the norm but we're we're part of the change and everyone who's listening right now you can be part of the change it doesn't matter if everybody around you is eating like they're in a race you be the last person to finish You chew your food completely before swallowing. You just put the fork down anytime you feel like you are not in your body during your eating experience. And this is true whether or not you're, you know, with a family or a ton of people around you or having dinner out with your girlfriends and everyone's sort of passing the hors d'oeuvres. That's my, that's the worst, by the way, because then I feel like I didn't eat any. I always have to order my own entree and take the hors d'oeuvres like on my plate so I can see what's in front of me. Yeah. 
present with it. If it's all floating, it's like my body doesn't know how to process it. And there's a reason for that. Eating is a complete sensory experience and we tend to leave a lot of the senses out, um, which I can expand on. But, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in that kind of environment or you're, you're eating solo. You know, it's just saying, okay, I'm choosing right now, even though it might feel really com- uncomfortable to just sit here with my body, breathe, look at the food in front of me, and then chew. And I actually have a, a tool in my book, uh, Thin From Within, called the One Two Three Food Freedom Tool that gives you the exact outline for that. So that even if you're eating an apple on the go or protein bar, whatever it is, whatever food floats your boat right now, mm-hmm. that you can still practice this and you can notice a shift in mind, body, and soul. Yeah. So what sort of advice uh, or what sort of, um, what can you tell the the people listening that maybe don't realize that they have become desensitized to that, that intuition or or that inner knowing, you know what I mean? It's sometimes we, we just don't know. I've talked to so many people and I've worked with so many uh, uh, men and women who have said, oh, I just don't know when I'm full or I just, you know, I'm distracted when I'm eating. And so I just don't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of absent from the whole uh, ritual of eating something because I'm totally desensitized. Like, what can you tell that person to maybe change that? Or, or is there a tool, you know, I know you, you mentioned one in your book, but is there something else that they can maybe look for? So first off, letting yourself off the hook a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when a lot we hear a lot of these stories, oh, I can never do that, or I have to eat in five minutes at my desk. These are all stories that, mm-hmm. yes, they may have roots and they may be very valid, but clearly there's a story you're feeding the meter of, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what what do you what what plant do you want to nourish? The one that says, oh, I have all the time I need to eat. I can eat calmly and slowly. Do you want to be watering that plant, or do you want to be watering the the one where it's like I don't know how to do that. So first, just taking a second to get really honest around what is your story around that? Are you willing to change that? Because a lot of the times we say, oh, I want to be doing that more. I should be doing that more. But I, you're not really ready. And that's okay. Like recognizing, okay, one day I'll work on that. Okay, then one day I'll work on it. It doesn't need to be today. But if you're feeling frustrated and fed up, if you're having some physical symptoms, likely you're bloated or maybe you're not pooping enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it feels like, okay, I'm ready to commit to this first starting really simply, you know, I, I, I definitely would recommend the one, two, three food freedom tool in my book. And I'll, I'll bring you through that. So one, it's taking a breath. So doing this, basically the practice of this is to do it before each meal. If you can only do it one meal a week, just start there. So first off, taking a breath, anytime there's something in front of you, just letting your belly out especially us women, we tend to tighten in there, right? We have a gut. We don't want it to hang out. We get really uncomfortable around that area. So we sort of clench. And physiologically speaking, that makes it really tough for your digestive system to calmly do its job because it's a little bit under pressure. So first, just letting that go. And then energetically and emotionally, right? How well can you process something if you're kind of holding it in? So first, taking a nice deep breath, just letting yourself come into your body, come into your environment. Two, take a look at your food. So look at what you're about to eat. We don't do this. <laughs> it sounds like it should yeah. be such a given, but you kind of like get the food, you get it in front of you, and that's it, right? Yeah. You're off to the races. So taking it in with your eyes, that gets your body ready 
to enjoy that meal, to do its job. Your body is about to embark on a huge job. A ton of system processes are about to be running when you're when you ingest that food. And so give your body a second to come to the races. Uh, you know, think about like if somebody's like, just go run right now, just go. You know, you'd be like, you'd take a second and kind of jerk out of way. But if someone's like, okay, start walking and then we're going to be running, you you probably would feel a little bit more spirited to, to begin that. So looking at what you're about to eat, you don't need to look at it the whole meal, but just taking it in with your eyes and starting that digestive process. And then also with that, when you're taking it with your eyes, your saliva is going to begin in your mouth. Mm -hmm. And so your digestive process, processes really do begin with your brain and then your saliva. And so the third step is around that saliva, which is to chew. And that means chewing your food as far as you can take it, ideally into liquid before you swallow. And that's, I always say like, if there's one thing you can write on my grave one day, <laughs> like chewing queen that I was the one. Chewing advocate number one. <laughs> yeah, that I was the one waving the flag for that. In yeah. I mean, it's so true, Robin. Like we don't spend in as much time as we need chewing our food. And so, well, can you tell us the ramifications of that regarding our digestion? Yeah. And so it doesn't need to be, you don't need to be, people kind of have this over-exaggerated image too, like they're going to be sitting there like a rabbit, kind of like, <laughs> well, like you can chew quick. It's okay. You can chew quickly. You can chew, 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 chew. It's fine. It's just, you need to break down your food and we're chewing an average between like three and five times, maybe at the max per mouthful. You don't need to be counting, but if you did want a number, it's usually around 20 to 30 bites per mouthful. So just to give you a frame of reference, but mm. So your digestive system was not designed to do the job of your saliva and your teeth. And so when you're chewing, not barely, sorry, when you're barely chewing that food before you swallow it, the entire job ends up on your stomach. Your stomach doesn't like that. Your stomach is just supposed to kind of squeeze and smulch what you've put down there. It's not supposed to chop it and hack at it. And when you are asking your stomach to do that, you're draining all of your or energy from your body. Your body is this beautiful, innate system that knows how to run. It knows how to function. And so when you give it more work, it's going to do the work for you, but it's going to pull from other resources. Mm. So that's why when you potentially don't feel energized by your food or what you had that day, that's what's happening. And so we, we have to bring that process in, in addition to all the other issues that we could have, like, you know, acid reflux, gastric issues, pooping too much, pooping too little, bloated, and then a weight, you know, holding on to some physical weight can absolutely be a part of that because your body, again, it's, it's, it's not burning metabolically, metabolically as well as it possibly could be for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're that's, I totally agree. And, and thank you for saying that because I think even though we hear it and when we're researching when something is wrong, because you know, that's the only time we look shit up when we're like, uh, my stomach, I'm having a really hard time, you know, with my digestion or there's something not right, you know, with my system, that's when we start to look things up. And I think it's important for us to just know that this is part of a, a holistic way of nourishing ourselves and eating. So thank you. Yeah. Um, and and can I have one more thing? Yes. I, I don't want anybody to feel bad about that. They're not doing this right now. This takes years to learn. Um, so I have the tool. It's called the one, two, three food freedom tool. It's in my first book, go with your gut. I've included it again in the second book, thin from within again, the one, two, three food freedom tool. It's just that practice. And I also actually created a 21 day chewing challenge. That's a oh. free virtual coaching program where literally I'm in your inbox being like, choo, 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 you can do it. <laughs> 
I'm not saying any of this so that you immediately go to judging yourself and feeling bad about yourself. And know that I still been doing this like almost a decade. I still have meals where I'm like, oh, no, not not present, not. And I put the fork down. And some meals are absolutely more successful than others. Sometimes I do need to eat things on the go. Sometimes some interruption happens and I can only have a little bit more mindfully. I do the best I can. And so I want to empower everyone listening to know that you will do the best you can and it will get better over time. And you may have days where you completely forget and other meals where you're like, I rock that. Mm. That's all okay. Thank you. I love that. Uh, I have a question for you as a, a parent. So how, how has your attention to your own health shifted now that you are a mom and has it? So much. Wow. So I was, um, it's funny, this book, I was pregnant when I was writing it and it was kind of funny because I was so nauseous in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Make all these recipes and I was like, no, but what was brilliant about it is it it helped me get so much more practical and how I was feeding myself and what my breakfast looked like and the audience that I was speaking so much to, which was, you know, young moms or new moms, uh, how they could fuel themselves in a way that worked in their lives. And I just gained so much more perspective in that in addition to, you know, when I didn't have a a child, for example. Mm -hmm. So one thing that came out of that time and that I've still put into practice two years now is really, really fueling myself, like really feeding myself enough food when it's time to eat. And then also the importance of meal prep and how, it's, it is like, I literally have to do it because I learned with my daughter that I didn't have time to make the food and eat the food. I had time to just grab the food and eat it, but I could not do both. And so if I was left and I had to make something on the spot, I didn't have time to eat it because she needed something or, you know, it was all my attention was required. And so I got really good about doing a little bit of light meal prep and I teach that in the book. There's a full plan in the book about meal prep. And I actually have a virtual workshop for that too, because that is that was the game changer to make sure I had enough food ready to go in the fridge when I was ready to go. That I had also in the beginning, I don't do this as much anymore, but I assembled like five breakfasts in a row. I have the power parfait in my book, which is like an amped up yogurt that kept me full for hours. I would put five containers like that in the fridge. I would put five containers for my lunches of different, you know, varying vegetables and what I teach in the book in there. And I literally had to have, okay, there's my lunch container, take it out of the fridge. And I would have eight minutes to eat it, for example, in a more mindful, slower way. Chewing a lot. Chewing a lot. Chewing a lot. A lot of chewing. What's your... (laughs) So what, I I feel like this is something that, you know, I get emails a lot from listeners or, or especially moms that have a hardest time with balancing kids and, and cooking or, or wanting to make the best choices for, for their kids or even women who are trying to be more mindful about eating the right things and meal prepping. And I think this is one of the biggest downfalls that we encounter is just finding the time. So what sort of, what sort of myths can you dispel about us having enough time to meal prep? So you do not have to meal prep in one like five hour window on a Sunday. FYI. Doesn't need to look like I don't do that. Some people do. Works great for them. I can't do that. First off, so same kind of thing like before where I I realized I couldn't make food and eat food in the same session. I would have to do one or the other. 
you can't, I generally don't recommend that you shop for your food and cook it in the same day or the same time frame. So if you can do grocery delivery, I highly recommend it. If you can't and you need to get your groceries, get them one day and then do a little bit of meal prep the next day. And then I really recommend that you break it up. So mm. my meal prep looks more like if I'm making dinner or I'm going to make a tray of roasted vegetables, I always make two trays. If I'm going to be scrambling an egg for my daughter or my husband or myself, I boil some eggs on the back burner at the same time. So little things like that, you know, if I'm doing nothing or I have some time or I'm just finishing my dinner, I'll put on a, a pot of quinoa to cook and then I'll make sure that I freeze some portions as well. So I'm mm. always thinking, what else can I get in the kitchen? I'm already making a mess. I'm already <laughs> everything's out. I'm already dirty in the cutting board. And just do a little bit as I go because then the next day I can very quickly put together, oh, here's these roasted carrots. Here's my already washed prep greens. I put that on there. Oh, here's a spoonful of quinoa. Oh, and here's my boiled egg that I already peeled. Throw it together, grab a healthy salad dressing or olive oil and vinegar, and I have food. I have food that's ready to eat that's going to make me feel amazing. And this is what I eat, I would say, most of the time. Like 80% of the time, that is how I eat. And then the other 20% of the time, I really don't worry about it. And I've never felt better in my body and more calm around food. And so many of those, the diet brain and the binge behavior and the looking for the next thing that would fulfill me in the kitchen cabinets is, has, has so has fallen away. In addition to these practices, right, this constant checking in and seeing what I need has, has it's so fallen away because I'm, my body's finally fed. Like I'm actually eating way more food than I was before. But it's all these kinds of foods, the, the foods that really, really nourish you. And knowing that, okay, you're going to make a mess in the kitchen, you're going to drop stuff on the floor, like it's no big deal, you'll clean it. So if you have to spend an extra 15 minutes at night, you know, cleaning up a little bit of extra mess, it's not a big deal. We yeah. tend to make big deals out of a lot of things and really mm -hmm. just tell yourself it's not a big deal. Like my kitchen last night, yeah, I spent an hour cleaning when I should have been going to bed and this is another kind of mom right? We spend the whole... <laughs> night putting the whole house back together well you're already doing it so how much more mess more time do you think you made right but right. I know I'm so much better fueled by that mm -hmm. food than if I'd gotten to bed 20 minutes earlier and let's be honest you're probably not going to get to bed 20 minutes earlier anyway right exactly yeah. it's like where you think you're saving time you're really just adding more like headache or heartache sometimes exactly uh, what sort of thing do you say to yourself when you allow yourself those moments to, well, first of all, let me ask you this. What's your favorite binge food? Oh, like form, like a former, like a something that I used to just go bonkers. Yeah. About. Yeah. Yeah. So mine was more like a, I would, I would go from this different flavors. So I would go from salty to then sweet. And then I would need something salty again and all texture. So I was totally the girl that would dive into the jar of almond butter, peanut butter, uh. dates and smushing that in there. You know, if my husband had some <laughs> weird cookies around, I would you know, <laughs> wrestle them out of it, you know, right. none, it, and then none of, there's nothing wrong with all that, but it right. was like, I was feeding myself until I was almost the point of being sick, not physically, not vomiting, but I mean like that I was uncomfortably full. Mm -hmm. And it was this, it's interesting because I think for me, what I was trying to look for was I was trying to ground myself with food. I was trying to make myself feel heavy in a sense like I was on the earth 
as opposed to feeling like everything was floating away and that I was so scattered and unfocused. And if I could just put the, the nut butter down and take a minute and sit on the ground and just be like, huh, this is happening. What do you really need here? What's really going on? What's happening in your life? And that's why I, I have my, my readers go through such a process of looking at their lives in a way that might feel really uncomfortable mm -hmm. to them and recognizing that this might feel really uncomfortable, but you need to do it anyways, because otherwise it just all stays up here and out there. And, and there's other ways for us to get grounded in our bodies and in our spirit without a jar of nut butter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Again, it's just this idea that they're, what are you really hungry for, right? What exactly is it that you're, that you're in search of? Um, and I mean, that sounds amazing. Nut butters are the best. I, I do the same thing. That's my, um, my binge food, even still, <laughs> sometimes I just, it's so good. Um, okay, so I want to just kind of shift gears a little bit and just ask you a couple of questions. Um, and hopefully we can elaborate on something you touched on earlier. I won't bring it up because uh, if we can't, I don't want the listeners to be upset. <laughs> so so um, this is just for you, Robin, we want to get to know you a little bit more. And this is kind of bringing it back to just random questions to see um, you know, what your, what your answers are like. Are you, are you down? I'm game. Okay. Awesome. All right. What's your favorite word? Mm. Sparkle. Oh, I love that. What's your least favorite word? Milk soup. I think those are really weird words. That's going to be the best answer I've heard. Okay. What what sound do you love? My daughter's like nasal laugh, like when she gets really into it. I'm sure everybody says that, but there's this one laugh that she has that's like she's lost her mind and it's so good. <laughs> like a maniacal laugh. Yeah. It's like, it's almost, it's like not cute, but it's amazing because it means she's so far gone from her gut and how she's giggling. It's amazing. What sound do you not love? All the construction across the street from me. Construction has followed me for the last 10 years. I've yet to have a month of peace without it. Girl, I feel you. Like literally my old apartment, they were doing the apartment above me, then the one next to me, then the one behind me, then the one below me, then the building across the street, then the building next to us. That, I mean, like literally. And then we moved and now there's a two-year project in front of us so it should be wrapped by next year and then hopefully I won't have that as my answer anymore oh <laughs> uh, all right well we'll we'll send you some some good calming ground no wonder you're trying to come out here when you can that's yeah. that's good um you can come over anytime side Thanks. note what is your favorite curse word fuck <laughs> I say it a lot my husband's like can you curse less I'm like no no, yeah, no, that's good. It's a good one. Sometimes there's only that that word just it really encompasses everything in, in that particular moment. So and I yeah. rarely say it just once. It's like that. There's like a stream of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Funny when I went to college, my minor was in geology, and I was going to be an earth scientist. Like that was going to be my later in life career, was like studying rocks and earth science. But 
I don't feel like that anymore, but maybe that's sort of where my crystal love manifested from. But to say, I don't know. I love my career. I can't imagine doing anything else. Hmm. Okay. No, I like that. It's just, you know, a way to just see if there's another like passion or type of hobby that, you know, is, is something that you'd be uh, curious about exploring. So that's good. What profession would you not like to do? Anything where you're in an office under terrible lighting and have no control over the air, the fresh, the windows, the light, the light. I'm very light sensitive. So mm-hmm. anything where it's not natural lighting or like a buzz from artificial lighting would make me insane. Mm-hmm. 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 If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, this is from the inside the actor's studio. Uh-huh. The answer I've always given that because I've watched that show <laughs> my whole life. I get really emotional at this, but that God would say your father's here and he's been waiting for you. Because mm. I lost my dad when I was 17. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, Robin, I love that. Thank you. This is, yes. I, so all the feelings, all the feelings. Yeah, they're no, all I welcome. love that. <laughs> yeah, they're all, I mean, this is what we're here for. I mean, this is, you know, this is what I love so much about doing this podcast and being able to connect with incredible women like you and being able to just, you know, the work that you do it, it affects millions of people all over the world. I mean, you're doing work that's creating a more connected and and more aware and a more sustainable life. And I think that that's, that's a beautiful thing. And I, I feel like when we're so um, passionate about what we do and like what you said, there's this like constantly on the go and you're just moving forward because you're just so inspired and you want to be able to, to do all of the things we, we forget to kind of just, take it in and, and just stop for a moment and realize like how beautiful that is, you know? And so I want to just take a moment to acknowledge you and to acknowledge that and to thank you for that because I feel like we just, we need it so much. And, and I think it's extremely courageous to have a career like the one that you have to, you know, spread your wealth of knowledge and your passion for nutrition and your passion for holistic health and, and, you know, the books that you've written have helped so many people. And I just, I want to thank you for that. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're doing this and sharing it, all of this in a way that that feels supportive, right? There's no shame here. There's no should. It's really just like, what's one thing that you can do today that will make you feel good and then start there. Yeah. And that's, and this is another reason why I loved, um, uh, your book because you really sort of you you talk about that and that's something that's that's so important especially now and I really don't think that we we hear it enough um, in in our society especially now you know so um, for those of you listening uh, Robin's book is called Thin From Within she also authored Go With Your Gut which is also incredible so if you are listening to this if you go to the show notes there's links to buy those books uh, here so you can do that um, 
Robin, there's uh, just two more questions I want to ask you before we wrap, but is there anything else that you would like to say or share to the audience? Or is there a question that uh, someone's never asked you that you've always wanted to answer? Ah, it's funny, the, the, the inside the actor studio was one of them. I was like waiting for <laughs> someone at some point. I'm like, I wonder if I'll, I'll never get on that show. <laughs> so I have my answer. But I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because I really wanted to take a moment um, to recognize that the title thin from within can be triggering for a lot of people. Mm. And so I just want to share with your community that it's not, this is not a diet book. It's not that thin is the ideal. It's really asks you to take that inventory of what thin means to you or what that represents to you and how you can feel that from within, no matter what your physical body looks like. And my intention with that title really is to get to people that need that message, that see that word and there's a part in them that still thinks like, oh, I want that. And just know that the intentions behind that are good. And I, you know, I know that I'm helping so many people that would choose a title like that, but I recognize that it's not for everybody. And the messaging is ultimately, it's all about self-love and body positivity and really having this conversation in a new way. And the title's a little controversial. So I just want your, your listeners to know that, you know, that I honor that you're likely probably further along in your journey, or maybe you might have some feelings around that, that title, but know that it's, it's for a specific audience that really needs this type of message wrapped up in a package that might be easier for them to pick off the shelf. So I yeah. just wanted to touch on that. Yeah. And it's such a great, great tool. And, and for those of you listening, I mean, I, I loved it. I, I think it's incredible. There's great recipes and it really makes you feel comfortable and confident with with where you're at. So so know that. And I, I just I pray that you, you know, you get it and you you do it for yourself. Uh, we, we'd love to hear. So you can message us on uh, any platform that you like. So um, we'll get to that in a second. I want to ask Robin the final question and uh, and we'll let you all know where you can reach her and where you can uh, send us what you thought about the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Radically Loved is this, um, it's, it's this forum. It's, it's a community that, that I wanted to create in order for us all to feel supported. Everybody that, that needs to feel that non-competitive, all-encompassing support. It's really about, you know, feeling that the universe supports us no matter what. It works for us and not against us. And there's this idea that we can actually create a community where we all feel that radical love. And so the the questions, there's two parts. The first one is, how do you feel that radical love? And what do you radically love? I feel that radical love when I get quiet, when there is actually isn't even music playing. It's not even meditating. It's literally just sitting and just breathing and maybe looking out the window, but just like, being with self, like really at the end of the day, the, the, the main person you have is yourself. And so those moments when I can just make a little bit of space, even if it's just five minutes at some point in my day to just connect and say hi, mm-hmm. <laughs> and be like, thanks body. Good job for all you do. And I'm here for you. And let's do this, you know, just like, just that little like self hug in some way. 
what do you radically love? Oh, travel just popped into my head. I love to travel. We travel so much. My daughter's been on almost 30 flights and I just, I love experiences and seeing the world and feeling like that, you know, I have plenty of home time too, but not that I'm living for the next thing, but that it all feels so connected, whether I'm away or home, but it just feels like I am in the driver's seat of my life and that I'm not going to be someone that says, well, I wish I had more time for travel or it's like, no, I make that a priority. I make sure it gets on the calendar. I budget accordingly and, you know, do trips that feed my soul and feel really, really connected. And so, uh, I just, the greatest memories are just so many, like just on the beach or in the jungle or just doing really cool things in any capacity with my, my family. Robin, thank you so much for, for sharing your story and for sharing your journey and for, again, just providing us with countless tools and different practices that we can do in order for us to be in more alignment. So thank you for that. And, um, where can we get in touch with you? Where are you a social media person? Where can we go and uh, stalk you? Yeah, so Instagram's my home. I don't pay rent, but I probably basically <laughs> <laughs> live there. So that's my name, and then my website. And I have a ton of um, free guides that you can download. And I send a weekly newsletter and just create, you know, community all through that. So that's all my name, but my name can be hard to remember. So if you just go to the book then from within, or I'm sure they'll have my uh, links in the show notes, uh, you can get to my name that way too. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, Robin. You're amazing. I can't wait to see you when you're in LA. So hopefully uh, that's soon. I know you were just here for your book launch, but hopefully that uh, you, you make it out when oh, I'm well, here I'll, too. I'll be there April 1st for three weeks. So Coachella. Awesome. Oh, yes. Uh, okay, Robin, thank you so much for <laughs> being on. <laughs> thank you. From crying to Coachella. That's just the <laughs> Thanks, Robin. <laughs> thank you for having me. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.